0: Daily news and analysis. We keep you informed and
1: inspired.
2: This is World Today.
1: Welcome to the panel discussion of World Today, a news program with a different perspective. I'm Ding in Beijing. Since November, the Houthi rebels in Yemen have launched dozens of attacks on commercial vessels transiting the Red Sea, claiming this campaign is in response to Israel's military operation in Gaza. As a result, major shipping companies have suspended their routes through the Suez Canal, which handles some 12% of world trade. The United States has established a naval coalition named Operation Prosperity Guardian to fend off Houthi attacks. So far, however, the attacks have continued, and there is a risk of a direct confrontation between the U.S. and Houthi's. Does this indicate that the Gaza war is being widened? This question and much more in this edition of the program. To listen to this episode again or to catch upon our previous episodes, you can download our podcast by searching World Today. I'm joined by Zhang Shen, Visiting Research Fellow with Coach University in Istanbul, Turkey, Dr. Li Peimei, Assistant Professor of Political Science with the International Islamic University in Malaysia, as well as Dr. He Wenping, Senior Research Fellow with the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. Uh, Mr. Zhang Shen, to start with you. Unlike Hezbollah and Hamas, which are focused on resisting uh, Israeli occupation, I guess the Houthis are primarily concerned with local issues within Yemen. So with that in mind, what do you make of the Houthi strategy of trying to exert pressure on Israel over the Gaza crisis by attacking freighters with real or perceived connections with Israel?
0: Yeah, thank you. I think it is true that the Houthis has been primarily concerned with domestic issues rather than with international issues in the past few years. But with the current situation i think a lot of things have changed in this dynamic because as we know like the houthis are part of the crescent of resistance or some people also translate that into the axis of resistance which is um iran-led coalition in the region that uh, which includes iran and uh, syria and the houthis and the hezbollah in lebanon and uh, hamas in gaza um, and this is a uh, transnational uh and and sort of like it it is like primarily shia but it also contains like sunni uh, militias such as hamas so it is a uh, transnational and trans sectional uh, and transfactional uh, coalition led by Iran in this region, and this coalition is trying to uh, build its legitimacy and build its influence over the region through uh, promoting uh, operations against the United States and against Israeli presence in the region. So I think what is make the what, what made the Houthis having incentive in doing so is because um, the support from uh, Tehran. And also, this is the agenda of the, this entire coalition is to uh, try to like build their influence all over the entire region, and especially uh, over the, the to gain support from members of the Sunni-majority societies in the region by showing their determination of uh, helping the Palestinians and the determination of um, fighting against Israel. So I don't think this is a Houthi-only agenda, but more like a coalition's collective agenda in doing so. And the Houthis, for this reason, they're changing their previous stance and started to be more engaged in international uh, issues, especially related to Mm, Palestine.
1: Okay. So, Dr. He, Some people say that one motivation of Houthis intervention is to uh, is to look to shore up their domestic political support in Yemen because many people in Yemen actually see their military operations in the Red Sea as a legitimate means of putting pressure against Israel in defense of the Palestinian civilians. What is your take about this?
2: Uh, yes, basically, I agree with this kind of uh, opinion. Uh, even though, uh, like, uh, Dr. Zhang just mentioned, uh, says uh, there is attack, uh, uh, for those, uh, uh, ships, uh, you know, passing through the Red Sea seems, uh, part of the coalition, uh, like made together with, uh, Iran, like Hasbara, uh, Hamas all together. But also don't forget, uh, Hussein's also, they are coming from mostly. Uh, they are Shia Muslims, so they, of course, they stand by with, uh, uh Hamas, with Palestine, uh, w- during this kind of new round of conflict between Israel and, uh, uh Palestinian people. Uh, that's no doubt about that. So I think, uh, with doing so, uh, this, uh, Husi can get more support domestically, because domestically speaking, uh, Houthi now is still, uh, you know, fighting for this, uh, dom- uh, dominance role. Uh, it's not saying all the country now is in their hands. Uh, they are remaining uh, trying to expand uh, their card, uh, this fear, uh, and also getting more support uh, domestically and also to show the international world uh, their existence and they're getting stronger. And also now, uh, I, I think this is a very good uh, chance for them now to show uh, their existence, their power, because now they seem to have some moral uh, you know, just excuse saying our fighting is not doing piracy, something like that. Uh, they're doing the purpose is to support Palestinian people uh, to against the Israel. Uh, you see, that's why uh, there's not so many countries now doing the United States' coalition, uh, saying for fighting with the Houthi.
1: Mm. So, Doctor Lee. Uh, in the nearby Gulf of Aden, just across the uh, the strait, we understand uh, piracy has been a kind of challenge for decades, which has also caused a lot of uh, disruptions to maritime trade. Um, in comparison to piracy, what do you think is fundamentally different when we talk about the current turbulence in the Red Sea?
3: Well, thank you, Ting Hung, for having me. Um, I think for combating piracy, it's actually the common interest of all countries. So in this case, clearly, we can see that securing safe passage for merchant ships uh, is the priority for all. So there is no controversy in this regard. Many are actually willingly contributing to the maintenance of peace and security in the Red Sea from pirates. But this is very unlike from the current situation, uh, which is very political. Um, In this situation, uh, the countries have to take sides in the conflict, as what uh, uh, has been uh, discussed by other panellists. Basically, there are like two collisions. One is a collision led by Iran, which is anti-American. The other, which is led by the U.S., which is, you know, the Western collision. They are basically uh, at odds at one another. So clearly, in this case, there is no common interest. Therefore, the situation became very complicated. So in the issue of piracy, um, it is state against non-state actors. So meaning that the states are fighting against non-state actors, which are the pirates. But in the current crisis, it does not only involve state fighting against the non-state actors, uh, which is uh, in this case Houthis and Hezbollah, but also state actors are against one another, in which we can see um, um, the U.S. and Potentially, Iran might be involved in in the tension in the Red Sea. So the current tension is not an independent incident, but it's linked back to the you know politics of the Middle East. So mm. the impact brought by the current crisis, I say, it might be greater than the issue of piracy, uh, and it has to be dealt with uh, more carefully.
1: Yeah, okay, so. Uh, Zhang Shen, uh, why do you think the Houthis have, sh- have so far shown no signs of ending their attacks in the Red Sea despite the launch of this U.S.-led Operation Prosperity Guardian?
0: Yeah, since the beginning of their attack in the region. The Houthis has already made a statement saying that as long as the ongoing war and the war crimes uh, on the land of Palestine not ending, they are not going to stop this uh, operation uh, targeting Israeli-related warships. I think this is the most important reason why they have not shown any signs of ending the attack, because... Uh, this is, again, this is not only the Houthis' own agenda. You see the same thing happening with Hezbollah as well. The Hezbollah has been uh, engaging in armed conflict with Israelis in the border between Lebanon and Israel ever since the Israeli war on Gaza has took place. Mm. And uh, this uh, this tension is escalating not uh, instead of decreasing. So uh, I think this is, a, a, again, this is a coalition's idea of um, of trying to, like, perform more and show like more engagement in helping the palestinians in this um, uh, struggle against israel in order to uh, sort of like self-brand itself as the defender of the middle east the defender of the muslim world against the western invasion and israeli invasion and uh, for this reason i think uh, uh, both hezbollah and syria and uh, houthis they will continue to utilize those uh, minor and guerrilla warfare type of uh, techniques to harass and to attack uh, 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 ships related to Israel and related to the West, and um, to utilize this type of um, uh, military actions to uh, increase its popularity, especially in Sunni-majority countries in the region, in order to spread the uh, influence of Iran and its uh, its allies.
1: Mm. So, Dr. He Wenping... On the U.S. part, uh, do you think um, the U.S., by launching this Operation Prosperity Guardian, uh, it is looking to take control of this Red Sea shipping lane? Because, you know, realistically speaking, no one needs a reminder about the real importance of of this area, of the shipping lane to global trade.
2: Yeah, of course. Uh, no need to mention uh, this importance of this uh, ship road uh we uh still uh, uh, you know still remember uh, the Swiss canal also all the way around this red Sea yeah you know, when years ago uh there is uh, you know some accident happening in the Swiss canal also caused a lot of uh, you know the the Disruptions. Consequences. Yes, mm. uh, for this uh, global supply chain so of course important. is uh, very very much but now uh, we talk about the u s this uh, uh, so-called Operation Prosperity Guarding. Uh, uh, I don't think, uh, saying the U.S. Uh, their way is to do some hard visit So uh, some uh, analysts also saying that. Uh, I think uh, basically uh, they want to uh, really to you know to make this uh, uh, you know this very important access, we are more safer and not risky because uh, four out of five. International, this big giant, uh, those uh, operator, those company already shifted their way all the way to Cape Town, uh, southern of uh, Africa. Yeah, that is a uh, very long and costly uh, this road, and then that will drive all those like insurance fee, all those things uh, cost for those uh, in and out now all very much higher. Now saying it's double price already. Uh, Continue soar up or uh, maybe triple-times uh, price than before. So that will dam- da- damage not only global economy recovery. Uh, I think also damages the United States. Uh, this is for their own interest. Because for the United States, it's coming. Uh, this is 2024, uh, it's an uh, election year. Uh, if all the people you know, suffer from increased price of all the daily consuming commodities or the inflation rate, it's getting higher is, uh, in the United States. Uh, that will immediately reflect uh, to those uh, supporting race, uh for either Democrats and also uh, Republicans, other candidates, especially uh, for uh, Biden, uh, the common administration. They cannot bear uh, those uh, consequences. So that is why the United States immediately jumping out. Uh, now they are saying uh, they have to do this, of course, in the name of defending uh, the international
1: Uh, This, uh, uh, you know, is called the freedom of navigation uh, in the Red Sea. Okay. So, Dr. Li Pei-Mei, I guess the first uh, attacks by the Houthis took place in in November. Uh, And uh, judging from the situation that has happened so far, it seems clear now that the Houthis have a substantial arsenal. Some analysts say that naval planners ought to be prepared for concentrated, prolonged attacks simultaneously from several directions. So from a tactical or from a technical point of view, do you think it is easy for this U.S.-led coalition to try to provide commercial vessels with the kind of military protection against the drones or missile attacks?
3: Well, I believe the operation uh, may not be able to provide full protection to all commercial vessels uh, because, you know, uh, the Houthis might attack at any time and uh, the the way that the attack can change over time. So it's very difficult for the U.S.-led coalition to fully anticipate what kind of attack and also when uh, the attack on the ships will happen. But uh, despite that, I would say that uh, the operation... They have had some successes. Um, So far, if you look at the statistics, uh, it is said that 1,500 merchant merchant ships have safely transited the Red Sea since mid-December. So what it actually means is that uh, while the operations may not be able to provide full protection, but the presence of the Naval Task Force uh, means that the Houthis may no longer be able to just launch attacks. Um, on any ships that passes through the Red Sea because they have to thin thoroughly below, before doing so. Or else um, um, their actions might uh, invite retaliation from the United States-led uh, collision. For example, just recently the sinking of the boats of the Houthis, right? So it will cause um, damages to the Houthis. So with the presence of the naval task force, um, I think um, mm. it acts uh, as a deterrence to increase the intensity of the attack, yeah. Uh, but however, having said so, um, I'm afraid that you know the Houthis might step up their attacks on the US and its allies if the US is going to use excessive force uh, to counter the attack by Houthis. So this is something that uh, we all do not wish to happen because um, just maybe a rising tension in in the Red Sea will escalate into a wider regional conflict. And the U.S. have previously said so that they are not inclined to be involved or to have a a region-wide conflict. And therefore, uh, in this case, I think uh, the U.S. have to be... um, have also to have to think twice before they make any uh, actions against the Houthis.
1: Mm. So... Uh, Mr. Zhang Shen, uh, judging from what has been elaborated by Dr. Li Pei-Mei, uh, like, like Dr. Li Pei-Mei suggested, the, Washington has previously suggested that it does not want to get involved into a sort of direct military confrontation with the Houthis for fear of triggering uh, an escalation, for example. But having said that, Do you think that line was actually crossed recently when u.s naval forces destroyed three houthi boats and ended up killing uh, several houthi militants that were attacking a container ship
0: yeah i think it is uh like like biden does have the attention of trying to avoid direct military confrontation because uh, the United States has been engaged in Saudi Arabia's war against the Houthis for like decades, right? Yeah. And they, they couldn't win. They just like the the, re, uh, the result is that after all of those efforts and resources poured into this war, they were not able to take out the Houthis. So I think for this, this is the reason why Biden previously was thinking that they don't want to get into direct military confrontation with the Houthis because they know that even if they do so, that would be really difficult to actually, like, to remove the Houthis out of power. Just like it's really, like, impossible for Israel to remove Hamas out of power in Gaza. It's a, the it's a same logic. But the problem is that uh, I think the U.S. government is going to continue their, like, direct military confrontation with the Houthis because uh, the it, the United States is not putting any actual, like, efforts into... Sort of like uh, 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 curling down the tension in Gaza right now. So, as long as the tension in Gaza continues to exist, the Houthis will continue to harass all ships going through uh, the area, especially trying to block the uh, Israeli related sh- ships that are going through the port of Eilat and for that reason i think the united states is uh going to directly confront with the houthis in the future as well and uh, it is clear that uh, the united states does not really like want to negotiate with them or negotiate uh, or to to respect the views of rest of the world in ending the uh, war in gaza and then they just want to create a more safer environment in which Israel can do whatever it wants to do, like against the Palestinians, uh, civilians in Gaza. So I'm not really optimistic about the, how the United States is going to take a more peaceful approach, like negotiating with the Houthis in this
1: case. Mm. So, uh, Professor He Wenping, going to you, would you agree in this point by uh, Mr. Zhang Shen that uh, the United States or Washington is now? Doing something to try to address the root cause of the current turbulence in the Red Sea.
2: Uh, yes, it's not they are not willing to. Actually, uh, they cannot do uh, because all those root causes it goes all the way to Palestinian and Israel. Uh, this conflict, you see, with this bias to Israel, from uh, from United States uh, for all the time, uh, until now. Uh, uh, even though we noticed recently, even the Harvard, uh, the president of Harvard University, uh, you know, even resigned uh, under a lot of pressure. Uh, even this is so-called political correctiveness now in the United States. Uh, if you are anti-Jewish people, okay, you are done. So this is the, uh, this is the long-rooted one, uh, this uh, political correctness in the United States. So with this bias, uh, you know, support to the Israel. And of course, there's no way and uh, no no way to say to address the root causes uh, between those uh, conflicts between Palestine and Israel. So these uh, Houthis attacks are uh, those uh, Israel-related those vessels or ships. All now he just, this is a smart point uh, from these uh, Houthis. Now they go linked with this uh, this issue, a uh, fundamental issue now happening uh, in in Palestine, Hamas and the Israel. Okay, so they, it seems now even who this attack, now it, it cannot be. That's why I think it cannot be condemned uh, in a wholehearted way, uh, since uh, I will stop any time. Uh, if Israel stops, uh, it's uh, bombing uh, in Hamas, in Gaza. So link even links their attack uh, to those verses, uh, together with uh, Israel's bombing uh, to, to Hamas, to Gaza. So I think. Uh, uh, that is why, uh, United States, uh, this time around, uh, they, uh, seems uh, you know, organized, uh, this, uh, uh, coalition, but, uh, it's not so many countries, even, uh, the, uh, you know, the close, uh, allies, uh, some European countries like France are not even joining. So I think, uh, this is all goes to, uh, those bias policy and also those, uh, so-called political Collect correctiveness the mindset, effect in the United States itself
1: hm so by the way uh Dr He, do you think uh, would you agree that the United States will uh, some sometime in the near future come to a point of uh launching a direct military confrontation with the Houthis? uh
2: this, uh whether they will uh take this action or not uh, fully depend on what kind of action followed by Houthis. Uh, if Husi, uh, those those uh, military uh, forces make uh, another or more those uh, attacks to those commercial ships all the way passing through the Red Sea, and then uh, that that will make the United States also make a response, uh, maybe go all the way to attacking uh, those uh, uh, bases, military bases uh, on the ground uh, in Yemen. In Yemen, that's also cannot say that's impossible. So fully depends on. What kind of action uh, will be taken by Houthis themselves? If Houthis now reduce their attack or saying, OK, uh, I suffered a lot because recently the 10 of the Houthis military, uh, or, you know, the soldiers have been killed already. Uh, so U.S. already made the, the first victory over upon this Houthis uh, attack. So maybe Houthis will have a double thinking. Now, I don't think uh, in, in now on they will continue Escalating their attack, they go directly to the uh, U.S. Or uh, if they go directly attack U.S. Uh, those uh, you know military forces or U.S. those uh, uh, ships, uh, this, uh, uh, you, you know uh, aircraft carrier, whatever. or uh, if they targeting to the U.S. directly, uh that will make sure I think the U.S. will attack uh, the Houthi directly, uh, without any uh, you know hesitation.
1: Let's take a short break. Coming back, our discussion will continue. Stay tuned. You are listening to World Today, I'm Dinghan in Beijing. Today we are talking about the ongoing crisis with the busy shipping lane in the Red Sea. Joining our panel, Zhang Shen, visiting research fellow with the Koch University in Istanbul, Turkey, Dr. Li Pei Mei, assistant professor of political science with the International Islamic University Malaysia, and Dr. He Wenping, senior research fellow with the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. Uh, Dr. Li Pei Mei, going back to you, um, in a recent letter co-signed by the United States and a 12 of the U.S. allies, the White House issued a warning to the Houthis saying that their attacks were quote-unquote illegal, unacceptable, and profoundly destabilizing. What can you read from the wording of this particular letter, and if Uh, the United States will sometime in the near future come to a point of launching, say, direct strikes on Houthi missile infrastructure on the ground in Yemen. What do you think could be the political risks, especially regional political risks, of doing that?
3: Well, uh, first of all, we have to look at the number of um, um, countries that actually signed the letter. It was, uh, including the United States, it was only 13 countries uh, which means that not not many countries actually believe that the Houthis attacks were illegal, unacceptable and profoundly destabilizing. Hmm. So especially for the uh, Arab uh, major Arab countries, uh, they did not actually condemn Houthis for the attacks against the uh, uh, commercial vessels in the Red Sea. So it, the number of the signatories actually say something about um, the country's uh, stance over these incidents. So for, for the United States, of course, they believe that the actions of the Houthis, especially targeting commercial vessels and taking hostages of innocent people, have no basis in international law. So while initially the Houthis might have targeted merchant ships that are linked to Israel or belonging to Israel, but later on you can see that they are actually targeting any ships that passes through. So on this basis, I think the US and also the affected countries do not believe that this is acceptable and it is legitimate. Yeah, but the attack we can see that it has a wider implications. Um, the attack will destabilize the global economy and also disrupt supply chain. I think one of the panelists already discussed how it is going to affect the already you know uh filling global economy. So and when you see that when the The shipping lands are no longer safe, um, and the ships can no longer use the Red Sea freely. Uh, This has a number of consequences. Um, The first thing, definitely, the insurance uh, premium um, will become more expensive uh, for the ships as a result of the attack. And not only that, you are seeing that many ships are rerouting, which means it takes a longer time for the goods to actually arrive at their destination. So all of these uh, will incur costs on the businesses and also on the consumers. So even though with the presence of the Naval Task Force uh, led by the U.S., uh, many shipping companies are still not sure whether you know, that shipping lanes are safe uh, for them to, to pass through. So many are still considering and will not resume this uh, going pass, uh, passing through the Red Sea. And I would say that, you know, if we look at the global economy, you know, after COVID, it is in a bit bad shape. So it remains even more less optimistic after this rising new tension. Uh, as you can see, uh, due to this incidence, it sends uh, oil prices to rise. Yeah. And this actually affected, you know, uh, consumers uh, in Europe and on the second question on whether uh, what would happen if the U.S. Um, launched a direct strike on Houthi missile infrastructure on the ground in Yemen, um, I think that there are great risks that comes with it. Huh? Because if the U.S. decided to launch a direct strike on Houthi missile infrastructure uh, in Yemen, it basically means that they are declaring war on the Houthis. So I expect there will be more actors that will get involved in the conflict. And this will actually have a spillover effect to a regional uh, wide conflict that the United States say they don't want it to happen. So what we'll ex- what we would expect is first, uh, Iran back Hezbollah may likely increase the in- intensity of its attack against Israel. Uh, they are already been attacking Israel. They might increase the intensity of the attack. Um, second one, we would expect to see Iran taking a greater role in the conflict because Houthis are backed by Iran, right? So if Houthis are being directly attacked by uh, the US, uh, we would expect Iran to play a greater role. But whether or not they will directly get involved in the conflict, we would we would not know. But definitely, they are sh- they are going to show our support for Houthis. Mm. But most importantly, uh, we see that the Arab and Muslim countries will need to pick sides in the conflict if you know, if the U.S. attack the infrastructure uh, of Qutis in Yemen, so, which will complicate the whole situation. So I believe that the U.S. know that getting involved in a war, uh, it, will be, it will take a long time, it will be very detrimental to them, just like what happened in Iraq and Afghanistan. So I believe that they have learned the lesson and I hope that they don't repeat this again.
1: Mm. So Dr. He, uh, some people say that the United States has no real good option against the Houthis in the Red Sea. Would you agree in this point?
2: Yes. Uh, I think. Uh, yes, there's no other good options except now together with some other so-called island countries, Say now they are, uh, make this coalition and operation. Uh, because we can compare. Uh, with all of this. Uh, to the previous, uh, U.S. engagement with uh, Iraqi and with the uh, made the war in, uh, you know, Afghanistan. So those are the, you know, uh, 20 years long, uh, even military, uh, direct engagement, uh, into uh, those countries. You know, how many soldiers have been sent? Yeah. How many, uh, dollar has been costed in all those two worlds? And eventually what kind of, uh, results, uh, we have seen, uh, U.S. withdraw uh, from, uh, Afghanistan? And Taliban even back, Also uh, so now is in charge of Afghanistan. And the Iraqi same. And the Syria, yeah. the same story. So, uh, the Houthi, you know, has been in the war for all the time. Uh, they know how to do the attack, uh, because they are nearby this Red Sea. But the U.S. needs to send their, you know, those warships all the way miles, thousands of miles away. So one is the uh, waiting there. Uh, they are based there. Another one is travel all the way here. And then you need a logistic support. You need a lot of support. Uh, so one is very obvious uh, subject uh, in the U.S. warship. And another one who says they are hidden uh, somewhere. Uh, you know, you even not make sure uh, what time, yeah, by what way they will make their attack. Uh, it send the small boats nearby, uh, you know, close approaching to those big ships or just send the drone or whatever. So this is this is called uh, unequal, uh, this uh, so-called
1: conflict or war. It's mm. not easy uh, for U.S. to make a victory like they, they think about. Mm. So Zhang Shen, uh, this is a point actually uh, Professor He Wenping mentioned uh, previously. I mean, in the case of a few European powers like Italy, France, and Spain, we have seen these countries withdraw from this Operation Prosperity Guardian, this U.S.-led coalition. Instead, they say they will, in a unilateral manner, deploy their uh, their frigates to the Red Sea to protect the ships of their respective nations. What do you think could be their consideration?
0: There are several, like, I think two major uh, considerations. The first one is that they just don't want to share the financial burden of joining this operation. You know, they feel like um, it is not necessary to join this uh, uh, joint uh, coalition and to share the burden of financially and diplomatically for that. And then they feel like uh, it's safer for them to do the operation themselves. And this is, but the second, I think the most major reason is that uh, they actually don't have 100% agreement with the United States about the current situation. For example, the, the countries that we see is like the pulling out of the uh, operation is mostly France and Spain and, uh, mm. and uh, Italy, right? Those yeah. countries are the ones doing that. And we see that those countries don't share the same diplomatic stance with the United States on every ground. For example, Spain has been criticizing Israel ever since, you know, like uh, courting Spain was like thinking about trying Netanyahu ever since uh, 2014 as uh, like trying Netanyahu for his uh, alleged war crimes ever since uh, 2014. And uh, in this current conflict, the Spanish um, uh, foreign minister and uh, and prime minister have been criticizing Israel harshly for what uh, it has done in Gaza. So Spain is not interested in joining this operation just to ensure the safety of Israel's uh, so-called flexible, uh, flexibility of operation in uh, in Gaza. And the same thing with France. Macron has been criticizing and asking Israel to ceasefire and uh, put an end to the situation. And uh, similar situation in Italy, we see that the, it's the foreign minister who has criticized Israel. So those countries, they actually don't believe that we should leave the situation in Gaza ongoing and then just mm. to fight the Houthis to make sure that the Israelis has more time to continue their war in Gaza. Mm. So they are thinking that joining this type of uh, one-sided and clearly biased uh, 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 operation is actually going to harm their uh, diplomatic reputation in all of the world and especially in the region. So they are trying to like distance from the United States in this sense.
1: Mm. So by the way, Zhang Shen, if we take a look at those particular countries that are participating in this Operation Prosperity Guardian, uh like uh Dr. Li Pei Mei mentioned earlier, uh their numbers are pretty limited from a global perspective. And uh really Bahrain is the only a regional country or the only Middle Eastern country involved in this coalition. Uh, why do you think this is the case? Why do you think we're seeing such a scenario?
0: Yeah, because in the in the region, like not only in the Arab world, but like in the entire Muslim world in the Middle East and West Africa and in this region, including Turkey, the Arab world, and Iran. Supporting Palestine and supporting Palestinian claim to the land is just the paramount and undisputable political correctness. Is something that everyone agrees on and all leaders must show that they're sincere in helping the palestinians even though in re- in reality in action many of them are not really in, sus- uh, in any like sincere willing a uh, 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 sincere wish to uh, actually uh, facilitating the palestinians but they have to show their stance that we are standing with palestine and uh, uh, in order to uh strive to gain more uh influence and uh, prestige in the region they have to uh sort of like self fashion themselves as the defender and helper of palestine and you see this thing especially with um uh, large regional powers like turkey like iran and like saudi arabia like they have to show that they are supporting the palestinians and in this case um Mm. while the situation in gaza is uh, getting like more and more terrible every single day joining this type of uh, operation against the houthis who claim that they are helping the palestinians is just going to hurt the your own diplomatic uh, uh, legitimacy and prestige in the region and this is why we see that saudi arabia which is a united states ally refused to join the coalition And Egypt, which is also a United States ally in the region, also refused to join the coalition because they know that if they join the coalition, that would just give the Houthis actually more legitimacy because the Houthis can say that, oh, look, other countries, other Arab countries are uh, betraying Palestine, and I am the only, not only, but I am the real helper, I'm the real defender of Palestinian cause. That would just give the Houthis all the legitimacy and all the credits for. Uh, defending Palestine in the region, so that uh, even if they agree with the Houthis or not, they like the Houthis or not, they just cannot join an operation targeting the Houthis while the Israelis are committing uh, ethnic cleansing and war crimes in the Palestinian land at this moment. It's just going to detriment any Arab country's credit and international legitimacy and reputation if they join this operation.
1: Hmm, and actually talking about, say, Egypt, if all these merchant vessels are no longer passing through the Suez Canal, that actually indicates a huge, huge economic loss for Egypt. But anyway, Egypt is not involved here. So, uh, Dr. Li Pei Mei, uh, going to you, I mean, if we talk about, say, the stance of Saudi Arabia, I mean of course uh there is a regional landscape over there but also i mean bilaterally between saudi arabia and yemen or between saudi arabia and the houthis uh no one needs a reminder about the saudi involvement in the in, in the yemenis uh civil war uh do you think it is a hope to advance peace with the houthis that has uh for example so far made Saudi Arabia keep a low profile in this Red Sea conflict?
3: Uh, well, first, I, I have to say I agree with Dr. Chang regarding that. Um, why a lot of major Arab countries, they do not want to join the Operation Peace with the United States because they don't want to be portraying as uh, defending the Israel. And also they don't want the Houthis to take credit for, you know, uh, defending the Palestinian cause. Um Regarding Saudi Arabia stance uh, in this uh, rising tension, uh, we can see that um, the Saudi has been involved in the Yemen civil war for many years. And they are you know, hoping to actually end the war. So they, are, they have been talking to Houthis and they have made good progress regarding this. So why they, they decided to keep um, a low profile uh, one of the reasons I can think is because they don't want to any statement or any actions to actually jeopardize this good effort to end the war in Yemen. So the best thing they can do is to keep a low profile in the conflict. And also what's important is that um, the new naval task force that is, that is led by the uh, Western countries mainly, they are also advancing the interests of the Saudis, which is to ensure freedom of navigation and safe passage for commercial Commercial vessels. So in this case, uh, the Saudi does not need to get directly involved in the Red Sea tension to protect its own interests, because the West are actually doing what um, the, the the West is actually doing things to protect uh, Saudi's uh, interests, which is to ensure that uh, the merchant ships can pass freely to mm. the Red Sea. So, and another thing is that um, if this peace operation is actually viewed as defending Israel. Uh, which is something that the Arab countries do not want to be associated with. And therefore, I think uh, this is one of the reasons why Saudi Arabia do not condemn or even do not uh, decide to join the new naval task force by the United uh, States. Uh, And also on the case of Bahrain, I think um, it's one of the exceptions uh, because they are um, a Muslim country and yet they decided to actually join the new naval task force. And the reason is because um, Bahrain is very much uh, dependent on the United States for security. We can see that the United States has been providing trainings and also uh, weapons to equipments to Bahrain for its own self-defense. And as of last year, September, um, Biden actually signed an agreement with Bahrain to to actually come to Bahrain assistance if bahrains uh, in any event uh, is attacked by other countries. so I think because of this consideration, Bahrain decided to um, you know join this peace operation well unlike Saudi Arabia, we have more uh, options on their hands
1: mm. yeah, and by the way, I guess between say Iran and bahrain their, their tension their tensions are pretty high. Um, so, Dr. He, in your observation, what do you think could be, the, could be the implications of the entry into the Red Sea by an Iranian warship earlier this week?
2: I think this is very clear, uh, the message sent by the Iranian side. Uh, they are also with uh, Hamas. They are also uh, sent with the Palestinian uh, side. And also they are, uh, of course, with the Houthis uh, as well. Uh, for those a uh, long time civil war happened in the uh, Yemen. Of course, uh, everyone knows, uh, the Iran is behind the Houthi and then another, uh, big player, uh, is with another, uh, uh, Yemen's government. So this uh, proxy war, uh, has been going on, uh, in Yemen. But of course, in the recent, uh, years, especially early half of this year, uh, with this, uh, you know, the re-warm up the relations uh, between Iran and also Saudi Arabia, and now the Yemen, uh, this uh, proxy war also is about to come to the end. Uh, so actually, this is a very good sign. Uh, this for the peace, uh, you know, coming back to this uh, region. But now, uh, because this uh, October uh, the seventh, uh, this new round of Hamas-Israel conflict, and also is uh, already being uh, spilled out uh, to some extent. Uh, now that Houthi uh, regarded this event as also a golden chance for them uh, to build on their power, also to build on their image, uh, not only uh, get new uh, those uh, supporter in Yemen and also get more supporter, you know, in the entire Arabic world. Since uh, when other countries uh, cannot stand up that firmly uh, to support Hamas to support Palestinians, but uh, only the Yemen Houthis uh, can do that. You know, mm. they have nothing to lose. But the things they can get, only benefit. Yeah, for like Saudi Arabia, for those uh, uh, other countries, maybe they consider a lot of things, maybe they will lose. Uh, because they cannot lose. We are saying the barefoot people, you know, is more brave uh, than those people, you know, put on the shoes. Uh, so this is the case for Houthis. So for Iranian, uh, they also send the warships, uh, You know, also, entering
1: into a Red sea, Uh, there's no other thing, just to show the support. Yeah. So, by the way, Dr. He Wenping, many media reports usually don't forget to mention that Houthis are Iran-backed. Uh, Do you think to portray the Houthis as a sort of Iranian proxies, so to speak, is overemphasizing their connections? Because obviously, I mean, uh, it is not Iran that gave birth to the Houthi movement inside Yemen in the early 1980s, right?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, of course, uh, when the Donald Trump administration was in power, the uh, White House already uh, named the Iran as the troublemaker uh, in the whole Middle East. Uh, the reason for saying so, uh, one of the things goes to the Yemen war, uh, saying the Iranian their hands has been extended too long. Uh you had a hunt in the Syria, you had a hunt in the Iraqi, and then you had you have your hunt in the Yemen as well. So it's a so called uh, Shia uh, this this being uh this uh, uh so that's why they can uh make uh, you know uh, so called they trying to make the Arabic NATO. Uh this is the kind of idea, uh, that was that time. saying Arabic NATO together with Saudi Arabia and Egypt, all together. And then to target who? Pakistan Iran because Iran has too many now the hands and the fingers all over are in all those trouble-making uh, regions, uh, even the Egypt. Egypt regarded Hamas as a kind of a link with uh, Muslim Brotherhood. So Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt has been already uh, reveled as terrorist group. So it's the thing. uh Egyptian government were trying to kill as well. So that is why. Uh, the Yemen war, uh, between, uh, the two, you know, uh, Sunni and the Shia. So the Houthi, uh, rebel forces, uh, these forces is, the, is a Shia. So of course, teamed up, uh, with, uh, Iranians. And also this is uh, the open secret. Uh, Iran also back up, uh, this, uh, Houthi, uh, in a very strong way. And, uh, that's why people call, uh, this a proxy war happened, uh, in Yemen.
1: Mm. So Zhang Shen, um, until most recently, I think um, most observers would generally agree that Iran is not really that interested in a Gaza crisis-triggered regional war. But in your understanding, do you think there might be any uh, factors that might end up changing the mindset of Tehran?
0: Yeah, I think Iran is trying to avoid the Gaza uh, crisis to spill out into the regional level and become a regional war. And Iran does not want to directly confront with the United States. But this doesn't mean that Iran is not uh, interested in engaging in uh, the war in Gaza or through indirect ways. And it doesn't mean that they would not, like, actually in, uh, to enhance, to increase their engagement, uh, considering the current situation. Like, in this week, as we know, like, uh, uh, there was this terrible expo- explosion in Iran that was killing, like, more than 100 civilians, and uh, actually, like, like isis has claimed responsibility for this but uh, the iranians uh within the society and within the government there are doubts whether like it's really isis who did that and they have uh, some suspicion uh, against other countries and uh, and about at the same time as we see that in beirut Mm. One uh, former Hamas leader was killed, was assassinated uh, by Israeli operation. So those events, I think they're trying to uh, like they're like openly challenging Iran and its allies in the region and actually might make the Iranians like more interested in or like they feel like compelled to enhance their engagement, like involvement in um, against Israel in the region. Because mm. um, as we see, like Hezbollah is uh, ally of Iran, and attacking. Uh, attacking Beirut. It's not even like the southern border of Lebanon. It's literally Beirut, the capital. And attacking Beirut is a sort of like a open slap of the face to the Hezbollah and also to Iran as well. And um, considering the current explosion, the Iranian government actually might see that they are compelled to do so because if they don't, they might be seen in the region as uh, weak or seen as not... Uh, responding and seeing as uh, like uh, surrendering to the West and to Israel, so in, and in order to realize support both domestically and also within the larger uh, context of the entire region, uh, Iran wants to solidify its influence in the Shia crescent and also want to gain more influence from the uh, the Sunni majority world as well. So Iran may see interest in escalating the conflict. But it would not like directly attack Israel or United States through that way, but more like enhancing its um, uh, aid to, let's say, Hezbollah to Hamas. Uh, to uh, Houthis, especially to uh, especially to Hezbollah, in this moment, and to rage some war from the Hezbollahs uh, and from Beiruts and into Israel, and to actually might encourage the Houthis to do more uh, operations against Israeli-related uh, ships in the um, port of Elat.
1: Mm. So, Dr. Li Pei-Mei, the last question goes to you. Uh, Do you think the Red Sea turmoil we are seeing right now is a signal that this Gaza crisis is indeed leading to a wider Middle East conflict? And would you agree that only ceasefire in Gaza can can ease Red Sea tensions?
3: Okay, I think it might lead to a broader conflict in the Middle East if Israel does not escalate the tension in Gaza. And of course, the U.S. is not keen to see that happening, but it's not up to the U.S., alone to decide whether or not the Gaza crisis will lead to a wider Middle East conflict. Because as we see, Israel doesn't seem to be aligned with the United States on the goals of the war.
1: We have spoken with Zhang Shen, visiting research fellow with Coach University in Istanbul, Turkey, Dr. Li Pei Mei, assistant professor of political science with the International Islamic University, Malaysia, and Dr. He Wenping, Senior Research Fellow with the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. That's all the time for this edition of World Today. To listen to this episode again, or to catch upon our previous episodes, you can download our podcast by searching World Today. I'm Dinghan in Beijing. Thank you so much for listening. Bye
2: for now.